Hey, everybody. Welcome to On the Home Front. My name is John Murphy. Happy to be here with you. Hopefully, you're with us live on WILI AM 1400 or 95.3. Our programs, as you can tell, are also videotaped for the WILI YouTube channel, and all the 5 o'clock shows have their own playlists. So if you happen to miss the live broadcast, you can go to YouTube and uh, you know enjoy the shows anytime so you get all the current information. You can also subscribe on YouTube, and then you'll get every new show automatically as we produce them to keep up to date. Anyway, our program this week is in two sections. For the first half, we're going to look at a wonderful institution that works very hard with our food economy, agriculture, and food businesses. It's called CLIC. The uh, it's called the Cooperatively Licensed uh, Community Kitchen. And we also have uh, a, a focus on the second half of the show on a bill that was just passed into law and signed by Governor Lamont that deals with maternal health issues in Eastern Connecticut, which has been a very great controversy for quite a while at ter in terms of the lack of health care. And we'll cover that for the second half of the show. To start out, I'm very happy to have back in the studio for another visit is Dionisi Torres. She works with all the businesses that are getting a start at Click, and it's very nice to have you back in the studio, Dionisi. Thank you so much for the invitation. How are you, John? I'm fine, thank you. It's good to share the Click story again. There are so many things happening there that there's always a good story to share here. Too many things happening, and they're all great. They're all good. Yeah. So I am more than happy to be here and tell you everything about it because we work really, really hard uh, to, to better the community and also to offer opportunities to our community here in Wyndham. Right. That's the reality. You know, Click is for education, and the thing that has uh, Dionisi here today is it's a chance to start a new business. And food is very expensive to begin. To have a legal kitchen is a major expense for someone. Click is all about helping you overcome that barrier, and that's what Dionisi focuses on, is helping new businesses get a start. Definitely, so definitely. That's what we do, and we love doing it. I've been helping uh, uh, new business owners for uh, opening their businesses, trying. It's a business incubation system, so we are trying to help individuals, families that they're trying to open a food business, but they don't have the capacity, the, the money, or the capability to buy a building or get a kitchen with all of the the commercial equipment and start their business. It's not yeah. as as easy as as we think it is. Yeah. So with Click offering this. Uh, uh, renting their kitchen in a lower cost, definitely we are helping a lot uh, 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 the community to open food businesses, small food businesses. And not only that, we don't we don't only offer this space in order for you to start your business. We also educate you about how to, where to go, who to talk to, because we are in the Wyndham County and we are all related in, in you know in certain ways yes. when it comes to agencies. So. Um, much easier to collect a group of people in the community that they all have the same interest and just teach them, train them, educate them and guide them in order to, to achieve that goal, which is really important in my community, especially for the Latinx community of Wyndham. Well, you know, the thing is, a lot of people have a vision of being able to cook good food and sell it somewhere. But to sell it in a store, you have to be licensed. It's very different than just sharing it with your family. It's, it's a right? very different story, totally. And yeah. uh, the, uh, the idea, John, is to educate the community uh, about what is needed in order to open a food business. Right. Because it's not only the skill of being a cook or a good cook or knowing recipes or your love and passion for cooking is, uh, unfortunately, it's not enough. So there's uh, there's laws and uh, it, it, the laws and the rules are created in order to protect us, the community, in terms of food safety. That's right. So for 13 years, I've been educating. I'm a proctor and instructor for the Serve Safe. Uh, uh, the, this is the American uh, Restaurant Association, a organization that trains and certified 
food uh, operators. So and that's, that's required. It. Serve safe that is, is required. required. It's the yeah. first, the first step for a food business. Right. Any kind of food business, even if it's free food that you're going to be donating for uh, for for any agency, any any event. Okay, I want people to understand that we are not. Listen, I am not this, the, the food safety police, but I'm almost <laughs> getting that title. I'm yeah. very passionate about <clears throat> training and teaching because it's about the safety of the community. Because one, 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 only one outbreak yeah. of any bacteria pathogen yeah. could cause a pandemic epidemic. And that's exactly what we're trying to prevent. That's right. Yes. And it also hurts the whole unity of the group because everybody's going to suffer from that. It's going to be a totally. be a system challenge. So, totally. so we have two special guests here, you know, with the Anisi today. She's going to introduce them and talk about new businesses. And I, you know, I congratulate you on having a new business doing yes. well. So uh, we have here uh, Fermin Juarez. He is the owner of the Tacos El Compadre food truck located at the uh, Recreation Park at Rec Park on Main Street, Willimantic. Right. Uh, he's there mostly uh, from uh, Thursday. Tú estás ahí desde jueves hasta domingo. Jueves domingo. From Thursday through Sunday. Correcto. ¿Qué horarios está, Fermín? De 11 a 9 de la noche. From 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. You can, you can find uh, his uh, taco truck. And there, it, there's more than tacos, okay? There's plenty food. But I would like to, um, uh, you know, uh, pass the mic to... I Listen, I love talking. <laughs> I love talking, okay? Especially for... You and I So, but I'm going to definitely, you know, <clears throat> give the opportunity to uh, Fermin. He yep. is part... He's a member of Click. He's... He... Let me tell you a little bit of story about... Uh, history about Fermin. So, Fermin was uh, he's one of the first one who joined Click 13 years ago in order you know believing in the vision and the and the and the, uh, the the organization so i'm gonna pass it to him i'm gonna be translating sure okay for him so um fermin explicanos quien tu eres que haces el department todo eso okay please my name is fermin juarez como les voy a repetir Tacos el compadre aquí está presente. Muchas gracias por invitarme. Esta por una bonita oportunidad de estar con ustedes. So, for, uh, my name is Fermin Juarez. I am, uh, you know, the owner of the Tacos el Compadre food truck. I am so grateful and thankful that you invited me, invited me here to have this interview. Okay, uh, para mí fue una oportunidad muy grande. Click me ha apoyado en todo para sacar uh, profesionalmente los este, permisos adecuados. So I am so grateful that the CLIC has been helping me, you know, getting all the uh, permits and licenses that it are needed in order to open a food business, especially a food truck business as Fermin, right, Fermin? And, uh, and also all the education that he's been receiving. ¿Qué más, Fermin? ¿No quieres decir? Okay, para mí, este, estoy agradecido con la comunidad que están... Me han apoyado, me han visitado en Repar, les ha gustado mi comida tradicionalmente. No really, se lo esperaban, ¿verdad, Fermín? No se lo esperaban, no esperaba, esperaba. really mexicana, y pues uh, no se lo esperaban que pudimos lograr estar ahí en Repar y para todos. So, yeah, this is a very important part of, you know, what Fermín is saying. You know, he is so grateful uh, for the community, the response of the community about having a taco truck, a traditional Mexican, you know, recipes right on, at the Rec Park. 
you know, you go to the to the uh, softball games, soccer sure. games, uh, practice. You even, you know, people who exercise, just you know, people who goes to the courts and just hang yeah. to hang out. Right. We all have the opportunity to have food right there, and it's not any food; it's traditional Mexican food. So he's very grateful because the impact of that taco truck in the community. Everybody loves his food. Everybody talks about his food. Everybody calls, click to ask if Fermin's gonna be there on Monday or Tuesday because he starts on Thursdays. So uh -huh. Fermin, todo el mundo llama a click a preguntar. ¿Cuándo tú empiezas? ¿Cuándo qué? Si está lunes o martes, <laughs> preguntando tu comida. ¿Algo más que nos quieras decir, Fermín, sobre tu negocio? Anything else that you want to share with us about you and your business? Estoy agradecido que toda la gente pues le ha gustado mis recipes porque son personal míos y pues que les ha gustado. Excelente. So all, uh, uh, he's very uh, grateful uh, because people are, have been accepting his recipes that has been more of his, you know, creation of some of the recipes, giving, you know, a little bit of, of his touch. Now, tacos uh, that, are serious yes. business. Yes. You don't mess. And then, uh, you know, it's not only it's not only taco, there's so many type of tacos and there's so many other recipes. So we Four ingredients, they can, you know, Mexican can create 10, 15 different recipes, and that's the love about it. So, ¿qué más nos quieres decir, Fermín? Cuéntanos, invítanos a comer. ¿Algún especial? Pues, any, any special, any special coming? Pues estamos tratando de, de poner el nuevo taco, Tacos Tex-Mex, que viene con tortilla de harina y grammy, grammy. Sí, y lechuga, tomate, jitomate y sour cream. ¿Cómo se llama la receta nuevamente del taco? Uh, El Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex taco. So, uh, so Fermín is working on a recipe that he's going to be, you know, uh, putting out soon. It's a special called uh, uh, the Tex-Mex taco, Ooh. which has a, a, a little bit different of, uh, you know, ingredients. ¿Qué, ¿Qué ingredientes tiene Fermín otra vez? ¿Qué, qué lleva? El, 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 el... Sí, ground beef. Ground beef in like tacos. Sazon taco. So it's a, a taco, seasoning taco seasoning that he creates himself. It's not, you know, we're not talking here about supermarket envelopes. We are creating, <laughs> you know, the, the seasoning, the, you know, spice, spice by spice. Muy bien. Yes. Pues, está bien. Lo que tú quieras decir, Fermín, aquí estamos para escucharte. Está bien, no, pues les agradezco y a la radio, a la comunidad que me ha apoyado, a Click a Denise y a todos los que están ahí presentes y que tengan un, buen di un bonito día. So he's been so grateful about, you know, having the opportunity to be here at the radio. Also, you know, very grateful with Click helping him with uh, all of the processing and, you know, on uh, everything that, you know, we do at the organization. And sure. He is so happy with the community, with the response of the community. I think this is the biggest, you know, the biggest impact is how people really, really liked and responded very well to, to the new Taco spot. I have a quick question. Yes. Could uh, Fermin share what he thinks, looking back, was the biggest obstacle he had to overcome and what was his biggest surprise uh, that was good that he didn't expect? Muy bien. So, eh, eh, John está preguntando que, eh, mirando hacia atrás, en el pasado, lo que pasaste, ¿cuál sería, tú puedes reconocer que sería tu mayor eh, reto en cuestión de abrir tu negocio aquí en Willimantic y, y también cuál viene siendo al contrario, tu mayor sorpresa, algo bueno que no te esperabas en respuesta a lo que a lo que es tu negocio. Pues, ¿qué fue lo más difícil? Lo más difícil fue uh, pasar los permisos, pero lo, lo logré con el apoyo de Click y pues la la respuesta que tuve que la comunidad, los pueblos, este Danison, Norwich, se han han llegado donde mí que es que no no sé cómo explicarles. 
que todos los pueblos circunversinos han estado llegando, Coventry, Colchester, Manchester, Hartford, en uh, London, y he trabajado ahí en grandes eventos. So, uh, Fermín is explaining to us that the biggest challenge, uh, based, honestly, uh, was getting all of the licensing. Okay. On a, on a, on a, you know, on a period of time, you know, it took long yep. in order to get those permits. It was, you know, it's a you know, bunch of uh, steps, small steps. Sure. But you have to take those steps right. in order to get those licensing. And uh, and uh, because we also were working during uh, a, a time of COVID, this is, you know, a, a That's right, project. COVID this was very the, difficult. Yes, mm -hmm. and it, it makes it, you know, makes it difficult afterwards too, too as well, because um, many, many, uh, you know, uh, staff weren't available at the health department. And so that hurts the process. Yeah. So, That was that was kind of he can definitely recognize that as the hardest and also the you know the the really the impact is the response of the community how they come from other towns uh, uh -huh. just to visit the taco truck at wow. Willimantic so they're coming from Norwich London Hartford uh, Manchester uh, Colchester and they're not also come to try their tacos they he also gets invited to do events because you know Fermin holds sure. it holds a, a license a, a class four licenses for caterer and a food truck so he can do you know events right. as well as you know do uh private events or catering or any right. any service you you would like now i want to be careful with our time i don't want yes i you know, know because to be polite, I I, we have another guest and i want to make sure to bring her in as well thank you for waiting for us Thank you, and I, I don't want to forget that this is my beautiful little sister, <laughs> Maria Torres. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me here once again. Uh, I'm here to promote what what is uh, the Willimantic Pride Gathering that is going to be this Friday, Friday, June 30th, at Click. Uh, the address is going to be 41 Club Road here Willimantic. in Willimantic. The hour is going to be from 7 p.m. to 12 Uh, just go dress to impress. Uh, it's, it's a, a totally free event. Free event. Yes. Totally free entrance, John. Yes. So this is the famous Pride Festival that we've been working on at Click. So we've been organizing with uh, uh, Vania Galicia, Maria Torres, and myself, Dianisi Torres. We've been putting, you know, all this program together. And um, we've been working on this gathering for four weeks. Yes. So Beba, tell us. How many and who, give us an idea, who's going to be our talent show, who's going to be our performers and our guest speaker, which is very important. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you, I can tell you about the guest speaker. Okay. Um, I promoted here in town uh, to have a, a drag queen for the show that is uh, belongs to this uh, to this place. But unfortunately, nobody communicated with us. So I got somebody from Hartford. Uh, she used to live in this town, so she knows about us. Oh, nice. So that she was uh, grateful that I invited her here. She's going to do a very professional show. Uh, She's going to be almost the closing The closer, yes. yeah, the closer of the show. So let me let me tell you who's going to be closing the show. The show is going to be closed by a fashion show by a designer from Willemantic. His no. name is is uh, Tomas Rodriguez, as, and he's uh, designed is uh, Ramon's designs. He's going to be closing the show, and this is the second time you know we do uh, events together, and this is a way of supporting our community. This is, you know, something that we need. It's expression of art. And that's exactly what I wanted to bring opportunity for community 
members to express themselves. We put out a, 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 a request on Facebook. We asked friends who want, would like to see, sing like a karaoke style. Mm -hmm. But so far we have eight performers, a fashion show, two drag queens from town. We Even have myself, I'm going to yes. be doing bomba and playing a dance. That's a folkloric, a Puerto a dance. I'm going to explain a little bit why we are introducing that into that community. A, just to say a little bit, a, the, that's a culture. The bomba plena is a dance that, that the slaves used to to use to communicate a problems in the community. Right. So that's the way to communicate it. So we're having the same situation with the LGTB uh, community, uh, the acceptance of the public. So that's why we're introducing both. It's kind of a hand to hand yeah. in that in that aspect. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I'm gonna be dancing uh, the the presentation uh, myself for you. Uh, what else? And also, you know, we I want to I don't want to forget to mention that we are gonna have our founder, Phoebe Godfrey, yes. opening the show. So she's gonna have, you know, this is our, you know, I am, you know, Phoebe's my idol. You should know that. I so, remember talking to Phoebe on the radio when this was an idea on paper. Yes. And she and Tina were working on how can we make this happen. Definitely, I yeah. remember 13 years ago meeting at the soup kitchen uh, uh, to start putting click together. Yeah. You know, my, my, my input definitely has always been representing the Latinx community. Um, but uh, so Phoebe uh, will be will be opening the, the, the show with a speech about uh, resilience. OK, it's all about anti-bullying. And this is a very special, strong message that we want to bring to any age, any gender, anyone that is suffering from it. That yeah. is going through this. That was or the that purpose is yes, for yeah. the young uh, persons, yeah. the younger uh, community. We are a... Uh, promoting this so so to invite you guys you know the youngest uh, anybody that that suffer from bullying anybody that <clears> needs <throat> the love i'm inclusive gonna be with a with a with a sign saying free hugs i'm gonna provide free hugs for everybody because love is love yeah. and that's for everyone that is going over there yes, so yes, that's yes. another idea that i'm gonna be bringing and i'm gonna give a special thanks uh, for the donations from limberia garete panaderia del sanai house of blend barbershop and classic cuts barbershop thank you for the donation to do these activities possible now we have a couple of minutes left and one thing that you wanted to mention is uh is a pulguero Definitely. Let me talk about the It's a special once a month thing. This is a once a month thing. And, uh, again, another community event. This community, this uh, pulguero is uh, the translation is a flea market. It's a community flea market. Pulguero comes from uh, Mercado de Pulgas, which is the exact translation for flea market. So Mercado de Pulgas, it's you know definitely it's the same the same meaning. We we sell items, use items, sometimes new yep. items, and we also celebrate the culture. Pulguero, you know, uh, doing a pulguero, having a flea market is very common in our culture in, in Latin America. So this is something very common for us and it's something that we enjoy doing. So if we get invited every Sunday to a pulguero, we will go because it's more, mostly getting together. So what, what we are trying to do with the pulguero is to have the community to get together, sell some items that they're not using and create an ambient of welcoming. So this is created for everybody to come and join uh, we are having spots for anyone who would like to sell used items or or new items only ten dollars per space and it's going to be happen happening at the shabu stage once a month and this uh, next month is going to be uh, july 9th and this special month is going to be dedicated to children so oh, it's going nice. to be a children festival and we're going to have a show with a clown 
from town who's bilingual and her name is uh, Payasita Sonrisita, meaning like smiling uh, uh, clown. And she's going to be doing a show and uh, we're going to have a, a totally free bouncy house. This is a totally free event. Okay? And it's all at, at the Shabu stage. All yeah. at the Shabu That's stage. That's a great spot. And it's also, you know, we location. are welcoming anyone who would like to, to participate. Four. Nine, Nine to four. four. Okay. Sundays, Sundays. So the next one will be August 20th and September 17th, if right. God permits. So I want to close this by giving you the website, because if you've heard information here today you want to stay with, go to clickwillamantic.com. Clickwillamantic.com. They're at 41 Club Road, just a couple of miles away from our studio. So I want to thank Dionisi and also Maria and uh, Fermin for being here today. I thank wish you, you great success thank this you. summer. Thank you. Uh, and the celebration again is Friday the 30th from uh, 7 to 12 at Click. Yes. And we'll look forward to having you back again in the summer. The programs, there are workshops happening all the time. So we'll have you back again. Uh, Thank you, know, you so much. Invite me because I love to come and talk to you. There's so much happening. There's good news to share. And we've always had Click as part of our programs. So thank you for being here. Okay. Thank you, thank you so Gracias. much. You bet. Okay. So we're going to take a short break and come right back with the second half. Stay with us. All righty, we're back live on the program. We're very happy to have you here with us on the home front. We're on the air on Wednesdays, 5 o'clock here on WILI. For the rest of the show, we're going to focus on a very important issue in Eastern Connecticut and the nation involving health care, specifically maternal health. It's been a real challenge in our reason. And as you know, the hospital system is being restructured. The role of private interests in our national health care is shifting. And there's a lot of issues coming to bear in terms of how health care is delivered and paid for and how is it made accessible. And this is the focus of our show today. A bill was just signed by Governor Lamont that deals with maternal health. And we have Susan Johnson with us in the studio today. She's uh, from the 49th District serving Wyndham. And she is also the Deputy Majority Leader. And on the on the Appropriations, Human Services, and Educations Committee, she's been working for many years on this. So Susan, thanks for taking time to be here today and for the good work on the bill. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I just can't uh, thank everybody enough for all the work this community has put forth to try and address these situations. But let's take a step back to when we actually found out there was something amiss with uh, the fact that uh, Harford Health had come in and kind of taken over Wyndham Hospital. And at first we thought, oh, you know, they're really helping us out here. And then as time went on, uh, one of the things that they proposed was to get rid of the intensive care unit. And so back in 2014, 2015, right in there, uh, they proposed getting rid of the intensive care unit. And uh, the doctors who were, who were there working in Hartford Health uh, were all against it. They had a vote. They were against it. Uh, this is, and then we had uh, several community hearings about it. The community came out outraged that they were going to cut uh, and eliminate the ICU. And they said, well, we'll have a, a, a PCU, a, 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 it's kind of a, a temporary or you know, something that is not quite as often as a full ICU. And uh, the PCU, uh, of course, never materialized to the extent that it should have. Uh, and uh, it really should have been there more regularly, but it's not there uh, to the extent that it should be. In any event, so I went to Lieutenant Governor Nancy Wyman, and I said, look, I said, this is, this is very strange that they've done this to us. I said, we need to do something. So we had a, a two-year task force to address how to proceed. And what we came up with with the uh, because of healthcare access didn't really function properly because they claimed that the statute didn't cover the change that the uh, corporate 
hospital was doing. So we created the Office of Healthcare Strategy to help balance making sure that all throughout the state of Connecticut, healthcare access was balanced. Right. And so that's what the, the duty of the Office of Healthcare Strategy is. So then go a little bit further, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, I, you know, we don't have an ICU anymore, so I think we're going to have to shut down the maternity ward. Uh, and delivery services. So they didn't do anything about it by going through the Office of Healthcare Strategy as they were required. And so they went ahead and just did it anyway. And uh, so they were fined by the Office of Healthcare Strategy about $60,000. Hartford Health is now appealing that and uh, to, to the court. And because uh, the Office of Healthcare Strategy is a regulatory organization and it has administrative uh, determinations. So it's not a regular, it's a court, it's an administrative process. And then you can appeal their determinations to the court. So anyway, uh, so that's where we are right now. This, this is still a situation where they have gone against the law. They haven't been approved. Uh, they haven't been able to fully say how they're going to remediate the changes by not having maternity and delivery services. For example... Uh, one of the things that they talk about in terms of a ch if a change is made, uh, what is going to be the consequence financially to all the providers and the people in the community? Well, guess what? It has a huge impact on our ambulance services here, uh, the Willimantic Fire Department and their ambulance services. They've taken over for a lot of the things that at one back in the day uh, would have been done right here in town and there wouldn't have been a need to move people out of here and uh, by ambulance service. Another thing that's occurred uh, since this is since they have shut things down and not really told people and not been um, maybe in, in compliance with the emergency medical and maternity and delivery law of 1986 which is called Intala uh, and what they've done is they've sent people out in labor away from the hospital and uh, those people have had uh, births on the side of the road they've had head-on collisions while they're in labor but uh, essentially they're problems. sending them to other yeah, they, Other sent hospitals. To, they sent them to Bacchus, yes. Okay. So anyway, so that's, that's kind of like the brief history. So uh, we have been complaining, and thanks to the work of Brenda Bookbinder and the Wyndham United to Save Our Healthcare group, uh, they made enough uh, fuss about this, and also the people who are working to shut down the emergency and delivery services at Sharon Hospital in Western Connecticut have made a huge fuss. And uh, so this has caught the attention of our people in public health, and we put together uh, this bill, an act protecting maternal health, which creates birthing centers. And I just think that this is one way to address this, because it's not just here in Connecticut. This is happening all over the country. It is. Yes. It is. Okay. It's a structural yeah. shift. Yes. And the, the highest level is how much of our health care do we want to privatize so that profit generation is as much a part of the mission as providing health care? Well, let me just say to That's you That's the double bind of the oh. private sector. No? It's already privatized. Well, yeah, it's a matter it's, of degree. No. It's well, privatized because it's either private sector. The only two public hospitals in the state, UConn and the Veterans mm -hmm. Hospital. Only two. Everything else is private, nonprofit. Nonprofits are corporations, yeah. and they have the same rights as any other uh, corporation that's private. So this is private, private, private. The only thing that's public is the rules that we make governing them. And even those are done by a private nonprofit hospital association group that writes the rules. And I tried to get a copy of the rules, and so far they haven't given them to me. 
Mm. Well, yeah, there's a pause in that. I yes, understand. There is. But, but it me... is private. So that's okay. we have to really make sure that everybody knows this is private business. This is corporate business. This... Well, that's what I'm alluding to is at the national level, they're having big discussions about how to design the future of healthcare delivery. And when they look at huge amounts of money, how it gets used and where, then there are new decisions that can be made about how much to privatize, how much to go public. So these are long-term questions that we're in the middle of right now, which is, you know, it's always hard to bring it up on the radio because this is about today at the end of June 2023, but this thing has been going on for several years already. Well, in the insurance industry has taken over. The insurance industry yep. uh, has, has uh, created all the networks uh, with the hospital administrators, the providers, the doctors, the nurses. They're all uh, not being paid very much at all compared to the administrators in the insurance corporations. Those corporations are raking in the money and nobody's watching. And there's all kinds of insurance plans that I could talk to you about, but we're not talking about that today. Yep. And I could spend a few hours on that. Yeah. <laughs> But I want to bring in our other guest, Brenda Bookbinder. I've had her on the program a few times over the last couple of years up at WECS. It's good to have you in the studio Thank again. Thank you. Good to be back, Mr. Murphy. Absolutely. So can, so can you talk about your work leading up to this whole process? Absolutely. Um, in the middle of the pandemic without a vaccine, uh, right. the, the shock of hearing an announcement in the paper, a one-time announcement that the maternity unit was permanently closed, my mouth dropped. I, I just did not know what to do. And... Um, spoke to Susan and she said, well, come on the show, we'll do something about it. So that's the conversations that nobody asked the community. And so the idea of surveying the community with our masks and gloves and all the protective gear started during the pandemic. And um, we have 13 community groups that uh, comprise our organization. And we have written letters, we have testified. We, on the day of the certificate of need hearing, we had over 20 uh, community testifiers, three minute um, testifiers, mm -hmm. telling their stories, telling about the impact of, uh, you know, not having what they had for access to a safe and local maternity unit and the impact of not having family around, having an extra layer of stress and risk because sure. giving birth, it could go very simply you and never it could know. go very clearly and never know. and then it can go very complicated. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I was at that uh, meeting about the ICU and I remember uh, the community testimony one after the other about my life was saved because I was able to get to this ICU sure. we needed. And then when the pandemic hit, um, ICUs were needed. Uh, there was one day that there were 200 um, shortages of, of ICU beds in the state and we had not one to give them. There was not one here. So um, all of that, I mean, the corporation could have just retracted and said, look, we're in a pandemic. We'll, we'll, we'll restore that to get through the pandemic and then we'll right. make other decisions. But once they have closed, they close things. Um, well, you know, one thing the pandemic did painfully is expose all the flaws or weaknesses or inadequacies in what's been designed up to now. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, the former maternity unit became the um, uh, COVID vaccine ward. Some of the posters were still up about <laughs> childbirth. And I'm looking, I know this place. <laughs> this is where I was three times to give birth. Okay. We're talking about the tension between corporate health and public health. And we're talking about social justice, healthcare equity, and access and equal opportunity for survival. 
for mother and child. I mean, this is a human rights issue as big as it gets. Um, this is not anything that uh, we could say, well, people won't have birth. They'll just go elsewhere. Uh, people will be having birth. They have for the 87 years until it was interrupted. This would have been the 90th year with Edna Guile on April 25th, 1933, being the first birth at Wyndham Hospital. Um, eight women joined her the next day from St. Joe's and they celebrated. And this was a community hospital built by the community with community funds during the depression. And that's just so awesome about ownership and an investment of a community in its health care. Uh, and we are so far from that now. Um, we keep hearing that it's not safe to deliver, the numbers are dwindling, women are choosing to go elsewhere. That's the narrative we're hearing from Hartford Healthcare. We know that the structure that supported healthy and local childbirth was sent away. It was consolidated and uh, regionalized away from Wyndham. And um, all the promises of having enhanced services close to home did not happen. So, um, 400, 400 births in 2010, Bacchus and, and win equal numbers. We now have 500 at, um, I'm sorry, 800 at Bacchus, and we're down to 60 emergency room births. I don't know how many side of the room births, but uh, we have days that the Lifestar helicopter cannot take off. Weather. Sure. Uh, they can't, and these are ones that need NICUs, and there is no NICU at Bacchus, and so... What do you do with a complicated birth that needs a NICU and you can't get there? Say what a NICU is, please. Yeah, there's oh, it's some lingo there. I just lost it. I was going to ask you. Neonatal intensive care unit. There it's an ICU it. for new babies. <laughs> okay. Thank you for asking. Babies in distress. Serious babies in distress. distress. And um, I listened to an expert on the birthing center's idea, and they said that about 80% are uncomplicated births. These are ones that can be handled in a birthing center by a doula, a midwife, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. other professionals that are there, and uh, could be same day. And I have a new granddaughter who was born that way um, in three hours and an hour and a half later went home. So she had a, a, an uncomplicated birth. It was a wonderful experience, and it was a birth in water. So right, they're able boy. to, yes, they're able to do that. Um, what happens if <clears throat> someone... Um, Tori Bowie, the uh, Olympic athlete, in her eighth month, lost her life to eclampsia and lost the baby's life. She's a woman of color. I mean, these kind of complications may be staved off with really good prenatal care at a birthing center. They do a lot of preventive and um, sustaining care, which is user-friendly. I think a lot of people, particularly... Uh, minorities, poor immigrants are nervous about hospitals. Sure. Don't feel language barriers. They yeah. don't feel comfortable in them. And you know the idea of not only not being here, but being shipped away or up in the air to some place they don't know and family can't get there. That's right. It's stress on top yeah. of a of a risk situation, yeah. and uh, no woman should have to go through that. No family should have to go through that. Um, so um, I want to talk about the stretch initiative really quickly. Yes, please. That's this it. is another that's uh, win for public health. And that's the, many states together, too. Yes. yes. Uh, there were 10 states picked by the national government and the uh, CDC, the uh, uh, Center, for Center for Disease Control, uh, picked Connecticut as one of them and to spend a year from December 2021 till this January uh, having conversations with communities really listening to them and asking, you know, are there 
ideas that you have? Is there something you would need differently in this community to make things more fair? And the Department of Public Health has those results. We're waiting to get the report from that, but they're looking at a possible level two of that. Sure. Of the Connecticut uh, DPH and OHS and a couple of other agencies to continue talking to communities, which is really just a wonderful thing. STRETCH stands for Strategies to Repair Equity and Transform Community Health. And that's what we're talking about. Susan, how much of that work that was being done, how much of that helped or supported your work on the bill that actually ended up getting through the hopper at the end? It always takes a group. And without having group uh, here, uh, the Wyndham uh, United to Save Our Healthcare here, and also the group that was developed and kind of followed uh, what we were doing here, I got a call from uh, State Representative Maria Horn, who is the chair of the Finance uh, and Revenue and Bonding Committee, who represents the northwestern corner. And she said, what, what's going on? Uh, you know, I hear you've had trouble with Wyndham Hospital and the birthing center. Well, Sharon Hospital now is going through the same thing, and mm -hmm. there's a New York corporation that wants to buy Sharon Hospital. They want to shut it down. So we had both sides of uh, the rural, all of northern Connecticut, basically, trying to shut down access to maternity care. And at the same time, there was an organization that was going to shut down access to most types of care. A Catholic group was going to buy Day Kimball. And uh, then our group, through the Medical Assistance Policy Oversight Council, wrote, uh, we wanted to see what their plan was. And it was, well, if you had a complicated pregnancy and you needed to have, say, your, you know, uh, some type of a hysterectomy, yep. uh, they weren't going to tell you that because that was against their religious principles. And so you would get pregnant again, challenge. perhaps, yeah. and then you yeah. might have a bad pregnancy. It could kill you and the child. Uh, so they weren't going to tell the, they weren't going to inform the parent, and they weren't going to sign a contract that said that. So all of us got together with the Capitol and said, this isn't, this is, we, we're talking about Medicaid beneficiaries, Medicaid people, this is going to cost the Medicaid program a huge amount of money if they're not going to do that. Or if they do tell them they have to have a separate surgery and go to another health care facility for a separate surgery that could be done right after the birth. So there are all kinds of uh, problems. So that group did back off eventually. And now uh, we've been able to manage to give enough money to keep Day Kimball Hospital going. Uh, and the other thing interesting to know is that uh, Hartford Health actually gained two and a half million dollars by shutting down the maternity wing. So if you take a look at their testimony uh, when we went ahead and charged them with the uh, with the fact that they shut it down and didn't follow the rules once we created the Office of Healthcare Strategy, uh, they actually says, well, it, we're not we're saving two and a half million dollars. <laughs> Well, they're saving the money because they're not having the expense anymore. Correct. That's yeah. not rocket science. No. Okay. I wanted to make sure I understood that. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, and it's not like they don't have enough money. Their, their CEO makes $13.5 in the last I looked a year. So Jeff Flax is making $13.5 a year. And, uh, you know, I think he can afford to find enough money for a uh, birthing center here. But we don't have to worry about that now. What we need to make sure, and some of the, the, the work that was done here in Senate Bill 986, if you take a look at the Office of Legislative Research and Analysis, is that they will have to be able to provide emergency services if it's necessary, because birthing centers have to be located near hospital emergencies rooms. So they're going to have yeah. to figure that out. And that's going to be something that's going to be part of uh, the, the work that we do through the Office of Healthcare Strategy 
to make sure more access to health care is made throughout the state of Connecticut. How that will happen remains to be seen because we're just at the beginning now. This is passed, and we have until January 2004 to actually come ahead and, and – um, Take a look at what we so feedback is in, imperative in terms of making sure that we we get our our two cents in and the regulatory process writing to Department of Public Health if you have credentials as a doctor as a nurse as a APRN or uh, you know doula uh, somebody who deals with these things uh, I think it's important to make sure you can write to me and I'll send the stuff into the Department of uh, the Commissioner of Department of uh, Public Health or you can write directly to the Department of Public Health. But I think it would be something that we have to look at. And we do have uh, Dr. Uh, Senator uh, Senator Ann Moore, who is also a doctor, and uh, he's very happy about this uh, legislation. And so we're going to pro probably be contacting him also uh, about his vision for how we're going to make this work in these places where they've done these things. Well, let me take a second now. You might be watching us on YouTube or on the radio, but for our radio people, we're having a conversation today with Susan Johnson as well as Brenda Bookbinder. Uh, I've done several of these shows on my WECS program on, on Wednesday afternoons, but we're going to shift it over here now. As this issue moves forward, we'll occasionally have people back when updates are worthwhile and there's concrete things happening. So this is the first of a series, and I'm going to say it here on the show that I'm going to share a link to this YouTube with Wyndham Hospital so that they can see our program and I will invite them to join me here to share their thoughts. I understand they've been very hesitant in many ways, but to do a good job as a journalist, I want to let them see what we're sharing today and I would like to have them come by to share their thoughts to give the community their five cents. We'll see what happens with that. I hope it does. Well, thank you for that. I just want to say one yeah. thing about Wyndham Hospital. I mean, the people who work there, the doctors, the yeah. nurses, they are fabulous. We There's have good wonder, wonderful people there. Absolutely. And they haven't been treated as well by the administration at Harvard yeah. Health as they should have been. I'm glad to see they have a contract now, but yeah. I just want to thank them all for being here, for I'm working so hard. I'm glad you said that. You know what? They, they just make all the difference, really. And I think that... The community really supports the workers yep. who are there, the doctors, nurses, and everybody. They're fabulous. Right. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because we're trying to separate the focus. It's really on people in charge making right. decisions. Right. The workers, I've had wonderful care. Many people I know, yes. the staffing is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they're bearing the brunt of the pressure now. Yes, they that are. That you're trying to alleviate with a systemic correction. Yes. So we're going to track this. And we have a few minutes left today. Are there any ways that people should stay in touch with you or the coalition? How could they learn more? more about this if they're about to have a baby if they're thinking about a family if they have someone in their family who's going to have a baby this is real stuff this isn't a story in a piece of paper where can people find more we have a facebook page for windham united to save our health care that's okay. one place windham uh, united to save, save our, our health care okay uh, susan, you sure and you have uh, access to my facebook page state representative susan johnson and also uh sign up for my uh news blasts i do e-blasts all the time i also blast my let's talk about it show here fridays at five yep so they get blasted and uh, we we talk about things that uh, come on and i bless 
blast the you know new statutes and that kind of uh, information. But also, you can contact me, and if you have ideas about how you think the birthing center should be here in Wyndham, where you think it should be, uh, and then of course there has to be an interested a, a group of people who want to be part of creating the birthing center. So it has to be done that way. But of mm -hmm. course, as I said, nothing will be able to be done until after January 2024 because Department of Public Health uh, is writing the regulations now based on the statute. So, and they have to have good regulations and have them passed. And as the former chair of the Regulations Review Committee, uh, I, if there is any problem with the proposed regulations, then they have an opportunity for a hearing. So I would say also, has the former chairman of that, take a look and see when Department of Public Health comes out with the regs and see if you see anything that you'd like to add to the regulations or change to the regulations. And that would be something that I'll be checking and I think I'm pretty sure Brenda Bookbinder will be checking and uh, we're going to take a look at those regs when they come out and see what happens. Absolutely and you're welcome to call the uh, Department of Public Health and ask about the stretch initiative report Yes. and say you're very interested in public health and your community um, is invested in this and uh, you can also come out on um, uh, the Boombox Parade. We will be marching. Yes. Oh, year. good for you. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Coming up soon this there weekend. There we go. So those that want to join uh, the community coalition and to, to march with signs and in solidarity that yeah, we want to be able to have these services for justice, for uh, health care access and equity. Yeah. Let me ask you one thing. We have a couple of minutes to go to, Brenda. Since there's a coalition of many groups you've been yes. working with, do you have any stories you might share of any particular events or experiences people had as they're trying to advocate for themselves or how they were treated or how the process is working from the viewpoint of citizens trying to connect to the system? Yes. Yeah. Um, I have metallic signs in the back of my car <laughs> say reopen the, the maternal services. And uh, I have people looking me down in, in parking lots. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? I have a grandchild coming or, uh, you know, I, it's got to be open. What, what can we do? What can I do? So that, that, that outreach for the community comes to be in parking lots. Um, we have stories of uh, some of the side of the road births. Uh, we had a preemie that was born on the side of the road uh, to a woman of color, and she lived two blocks from the hospital mm -hmm. and had gone to the ED to have help with the birth, and they moved her out before she gave birth again, put them in the ambulance and get them away. And um, they got her to Bacchus, this very premature baby, and her. And they took one look at Bacchus and said, oh, no, 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 you need a NICU. And they life-starred her from Bacchus to New Britain. And so um, you talk about risk, yeah. risk of infection, risk of, and, and it's just no person delivering a premature baby should go through that. To say yeah. nothing of cost in a helicopter, I mean, come on. Yeah. How much does a helicopter yeah. cost? Uh, right on top of the cost. That's part yeah. of the budgeting, right? How, how many helicopter rides so, can you um, Exactly. Our postpartum uh, depression rate has gone from one out of seven or eight to one out of every five. So yeah. that's rising. Our C-section rate is m one of the highest in the country. It's well over 34% of all births are C-sections. And some of these are simple births. 
That seems to be happening if, nationally, too, because it's more expeditious than yes. the factory approach to yeah. move things along, right? right? Right, It moves things along on schedule. Exactly. And it's lucrative. It's lucrative. Yeah. It costs more yeah. money to have a C-section yeah. than it does, yeah. and you can yeah. say, oh, I think I'll have my baby today instead of, you know, whenever. Yeah. And so, you know, you don't run into that. Uh, and yeah. C-section really should just be for those medically necessary situations. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so it shouldn't be just as a matter of convenience. And uh, But you can't really regulate like that because it's got to be between a doctor and the patient yeah. because who's going to they're going to say oh we can't do the c-section now because the regulation said no so you know it's just just don't even try to go there but but you know if the birth looks like it's going to be okay and the doctor says it's all right and the baby's in the right position then nine times you know i mean it's a very very good chance that you know it's going to be an okay birth and something that could be in a birthing center that you wouldn't need a c-section for right and why why would you want to spend all that extra time healing? Absolutely. And money, too. Yeah, time and yeah. money, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is a it is a strain on the body to have a, yes. a open area and, uh, like that, yeah. right through all those tissues in the abdomen. It's just yeah. bad, but necessary sometimes. Well, I want to thank uh, Susan Johnson and Brenda Bookbinder for being here today. We'll be able to have them back in the future as things move along during the summer and the fall. But I thank you for your good work, and we look forward to continuing thank our conversation. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be part of this community and the communities of the greater Wyndham area and for all the women and families that are looking for the help that we're, we're fighting for. So right. um, we're with you. Yeah. Thanks uh, for having us. Thank oh, you. happy to have Pleasure. you too. Also, our programs are rebroadcast on WECS. I have a program at 90.1 FM WECS, uh, the Pan American Express. These programs air there as well to give our guests more exposure for their messages. So we have it on both ways. And we always thank you for taking time to share your life on the radio with us today. We'll see you next week for another edition. Take care.